Bill and Bob's bracket busting breakdown. I'm Bob. You'll hear Bill on the back end. This is the second of the disjointed version. And then on the um, the east side, the right side of your brackets, the Midwest and the West, we will be together, um, at least in conversation and across the screen from each other. Uh, obviously, all in the sake of getting this to you as quick as we possibly can. Uh, we're going to go to the bottom left-hand corner of your brackets, the East region, the number one seed here, Purdue. Um, obviously, this team starts and finishes with the... Um, one of the best finishers in the country, uh, scoring 60% from the field. Zach Eady, 22 and 12, actually 12.8, so almost close to 13 rebounds a game, 7-4 junior big man. This team is going to go as far as he goes. Not a lot of teams have the size to match up with him. Uh, they also, He's also backed up by sophomore forward uh, who's – Caleb first, who's 6'10". So they do have some size behind him. But if he gets in foul trouble, um, Purdue obviously becomes a little bit more susceptible. Purdue at times has not looked as dominant as the team as you would have hoped for a number one seed, but that's the type of season we're in. There's been a lot, uh, you know, every year you kind of hear, oh, this is the year. There's so much parity. There's so much parity in college basketball. Well, in this year, I really think there is. Uh, really, to, to me, the two more consistent teams over over the season were Alabama and Houston, but Purdue has been consistent um, as well. Played very well in the non-conference uh, with wins over Marquette. West Virginia, Duke, Gonzaga. Uh, Duke, obviously, a much better team now than they were then, but still, a win's a win there. Um, they, they're buoyed by that. Strong wins um, strong wins in conference in the Big Ten. The Big Ten kind of beats up on each other. But they did get the um, – they did have a series. Uh, they were swept in their two-game series uh, by Indiana. Uh, also, losses at Rutgers – uh, although they did avenge that in the in their the Big Ten tournament, where um, Rutgers they beat Rutgers by five in uh, the quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament. Although Rutgers certainly had them on the rope there, but Rutgers does have a big man who could kind of match uh, Edie at least within uh, Amar Yuri. Uh, let's look at the rest of Purdue's lineup. Fletcher Lawyer, uh, freshman guard, averages thirty-two points a game. Although. Um, since February, only shooting 10 of 47 from three-point range since uh, the clock, since the, the calendar turned to February 1st. And even in that Marquette game early in the season, they were losing uh, throughout in that one and then just outscored them by 12 over the final 10 minutes to win that one. Uh, they have another freshman guard who sees solid 30 minutes a game. Uh, Brandon Smith, their point guard, averages just under 10 a game, uh, four rebounds, four assists, Shoots 38% from three. Um, missing three games this season was Mason Gillis, in my opinion. He is as crucial to this team, uh, not as Edie, but as any other of their secondary players. Uh, Gillis shoots 37% from three. Um, shot 66% from the field, although shoots plenty more threes than twos. Um, but Gillis, at, at, he only averages 6.7 a game. But he's the kind of guy who could get hot and certainly carry them through some stretches, in, at least in, in my opinion. Um, this 
uh, Purdue team, very, very good offensively, adjusted offense. Uh, they're fifth in the country. Top 30 adjusted defense at 27th in the country. Uh, I don't think they're necessarily going to be tested by either of the two teams that await them in the first round, the 16 for 16 game. We have Fairleigh Dickinson out of the Northeast Conference. Fairleigh Dickinson uh, in a odd twist lost in their conference championship game against Merrimack. Uh, Merrimack, unfortunately, I think has another year or two before they're actually eligible. They, if they're coming um, up to D1, uh, so they were not eligible. Merrimack also was pretty, pretty good in uh, the NEC. Um, but FDU becomes the second place team there and they get in the tournament as a result. Uh, they have four different players averaging in double figures. Uh, Demetri Robert, uh, Roberts, uh, 16.7 a game. Uh, their secondary leading scorer, Grant Singleton, senior guard, both at 5'8 and 5'9 respectively. He shoots 38% uh, from three. And Ansley uh, Almanar, uh, the six seven sophomore averages thirty seven a game from th- uh, averages thirty sorry thirty seven percent from three, uh, and then we have Texas Southern, another team that necessarily didn't didn't expect to see here, um, just does not rank well in any of the um, Ken Palms uh, net rankings or any other BPI any of those, uh, so they fit the mold as a sixteen seed. But they are a team that benefit from a run through the SWAC. Uh, Grambling State, the team that I think uh, many of us thought would have come out of the SWAC. Uh, Grambling State had a very good season, but lost by three in the SWAC championship game. Uh, They have three players who average in, uh, sorry, four players who average in double figures. Um, One player who averages 8.9 boards per game. They have a little bit more size. Um, then FDU, FDU's biggest player uh, is Almanar, who I mentioned, who ever, who's at 6'7". After that, closest is a guy who only plays 16 minutes at 6'6". And obviously some size, um, at least on the Texas Southern team, um, two guys who average close to 30 a game uh, go 6'9", 6'9", and then their leading scorer is 6'5". So FDU will have to contend with some size there before they contend with potential, well, if they advance, the size of Edie. Now, we move on to the 8-9 game. As I mentioned in the South region, Memphis, uh, they knocked off Houston in the American Championship game, uh, tournament championship game. Uh, they're led by a scoring dynamo, Kendrick Davis, the 5'11 senior guard, shoots 34% from three, but he averages 22 a game, five assists, actually close to uh, 5.6 assists a game. Um, he is a, a guy who, uh, with two steals a game, also, the type of guy who is very capable of carrying them through the tournament to an upset. Um, you know, you look at Purdue with those younger guards. Uh, I think Kendrick Davis could give them some problems. DeAndre Williams, their second leading scorer, 6'9", senior, uh, averages 17.8 and eight boards a game, one block, 1.5 steals out of him. This Memphis team adjusted defense 37th, uh, adjusted offense 34th. So they are, to me, um, kind of like a sneaky team here who could knock off Purdue. Um, I'm not high on the Big Ten this year. Um, I thought Memphis... Although they had two losses prior to that tournament game uh, against Houston, they did challenge them. 
Um, so I, they have um, very senior laden team. Um, all the guys that get minutes here for them are all seniors. These are guys who've played a lot of basketball together. Um, and Penny Hardaway, although I don't necessarily think he's the greatest of coach uh, just yet, um, but he he does have a talented and experienced roster, and I think that's something that could get in the way of Purdue. They, though, have to get by FAU Owls. Um, they won the um, Conference USA with the win over Jelly Walker uh, and UAB. Um Florida Atlantic have been in and out of the top 25 for part of their season. Uh, They come in um, with a very, very good record um, at 31 and 3. When you look, their biggest games were in conference games against North Texas. They actually won both of those. Uh, North Texas uh, top 50 um, consolidated rankings. Um, They did lose to UAB in the regular season. Um, uh, once did beat them another time by two, obviously beat them in the conference tournament game in a, um, in strong fashion, uh, winning by 22 points. Um, there are three top scorers, uh, averaging 13, 13 and 10, all sophomores, uh, have some size there with one of them being Vatislav Goldin, who goes for 10 and six. Uh, adjusted offense, 31 adjusted defense, 36, uh, these are two pretty evenly matched teams, which you kind of expect out of an 8-9 game. Um, FAU, I think, um, with with a 7-1 uh, center, I think that he's somebody who certainly can challenge Edie. But I, for me, I lean Memphis here with Kendrick Davis. I think Davis is the type of guy who, like I said, could carry a team on on a run through the tournament. Moving down the line, we have uh, the number five seed, Duke Blue Devils, versus Oral Roberts out of the Summit League. All right, this one, to me, um, it really comes down to uh, Max Abmus at Oral Roberts. Uh, People might remember them from their run two years ago. Abmus, part of the the backcourt that made a nice little run in the tournament. Uh, Abmus now a senior. He's averaging 22 a game, four assists, only 1.9 turnovers, shooting 37.3 from three-point range. Took 310 um, three-pointers this year. Now, Duke, a little bit of an under underseeded at as a five seed, in my opinion. Um, they're on a nine-game winning streak. Uh, the ACC in particular, with down years from UNC and Florida State, I don't think they're necessarily getting this, the respect they deserve. Um, Duke also took a while to kind of get going, and then late in the ACC, into the ACC tournament, they started coming on a little bit um, stronger. Uh, they're led by... Um, they, it's weird because when we think of Duke... Um, over the past few years, they've had a, a, a dominant scorer. They've had um, guys who could kind of carry them, but they've also had stronger guard play. This year, um, Jeremy Roach, really the only ball handler they have. Uh, Tyrese Proctor, um, the two guard that they use in their starting lineup, um, really more of a, uh, although he, he's shot 32%, but he's to me, he's just really more of a swing man than, than a true ball handling guard. Um, their leading scorer is uh, Kyle Filipowski, good freshman, uh, seven-footer, uh, averaging 15 and nine. 
Um, he's the guy that they're going to lean on. He's shooting 50% from the field. Also took 118 threes, just under 30% from three-point range. Uh, but Duke's calling card this year, uh, their defense on the defensive end, 24th in the nation in adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, mentioned Jeremy Roach, their junior guard. I think the way Duke plays this game. Uh, actually, let's circle back for a second. The Summit League, to me, when you look at it, last year and again this year, the two teams have been for the past three years, Oral Roberts and San Diego um, – I did it on the other pod – South Dakota State. Okay, Last year, South Dakota State, um, they, they, they won the league. This year it was Oral Roberts after Bailey Shireman transferred out of South Dakota um, over to – over to Creighton. Now, Abmus, as good of a guard as there is in this tournament, that goes without saying. But their second second leading scorer, second best player, is 7-3 senior Connor Vanover, okay? Averages 12 and uh, just under 13, so 12 and, uh, 12.9, 7 rebounds a game. A lot of their damage, his damage is done against lesser competition. This team lost to St. Mary's. They got blown out by Houston, lost to Utah State. Those were the three best teams they played. Uh, Duke, on the on the other hand, is just going to be a big step up in competition. Oral Roberts played three teams that are non-Division One teams, so although they're thirty and four, I mean they have three wins against non uh, you know uh, against non-Division One teams. If you look at the combined um, like scheduling metrics, they played a lot of teams in the three hundreds. I was big on South Dakota State last year. Um, I think Oral Roberts, like I said, Max Abmus, one of the best guards in this tournament. But the step up in competition here is what scares me. Providence was blowing out South Dakota State uh, last year in the tournament. And a lot of people were down on Providence, thinking that that was an upset alert. I thought so, too. Uh, Providence was a, considered, at least by Ken Palm, to be a very lucky team. I don't, I'm not sure Oral Roberts can handle the, the step up in competition here. Uh, I think what they do is they're just going to try. If you try and take away Abmus, uh, Vanover, in theory, should not be able to have his way with Filipowski um, and and Derek Lively, a 7-1 freshman for Duke also. They also throw Ryan Young, uh, 6'10 senior also. This is a very tall team. A uh, lot of size out of Duke. Mark Mitchell, the swing, swing man, is 6'8". Um, you know, just... just just a very, very big team. Duke has a lot, a lot of size. And I think that could potentially, um, if, they could, if they could stop Abmus, you know, defense leads to offense here for Duke. And I think Filipowski, his ability to step out, I think creates mismatches also because now you got to pull him away and Duke potentially get some putbacks also. So while I'm seeing a lot of talking heads saying that this is kind of Duke on upset alert, I think Abmus really has to play out of his mind to get it there. I think Duke, you know, I, I don't know what the line is on this game, but I think Duke advances um, just because I think Shire is coming into his own a little bit as a starting coach. And I just don't think the Summit League um, just, I, I, you know, just like I said, based off of what I saw last year in the tournament with the team that I was high on, I, I don't know if the Summit League can handle an ACC team like Duke. And I think the ACC is being undersold a little bit this year. Uh, we go down to the next game, 4-13, Tennessee against Louisiana. I don't think this is the game where Tennessee goes out, uh, but I don't think Tennessee is the type of team that's going to advance very far in that tor- in this tournament. It really came down to uh, Zakai Ziegler, their starting point guard, really their only ball handler, similar to Duke in that regard. Uh, Ziegler is out. Um, and I think they're going to struggle here. They just haven't played enough games without him. It takes their best ball handler, Ziegler, and it puts – you take him away. Now their lead guard, Santogi, and best, their 
their lead guard becomes be, becomes their best shooter, Vescovy. Tennessee doesn't get enough offense um, to have Vescovy now be you know be their predominantly ball predominant ball handler. And now you're asking him also to be your you know he is your leading scorer, but now you're putting the ball in his hands. That's a tough spot. That's a tough spot for a team that doesn't score the ball that well. Um, you know they're 49th in adjusted offensive efficiency. Um, but Tennessee just is a team, a lot of games where, you know, they have a 56-53 win over Maryland that I'm looking at, a 64-50 win over Kansas. They don't really light it up on the scoreboard. They have a 46-43 victory over Auburn, 66-65 loss over um, loss to Vanderbilt. This team is just not, does not score a ton of points. And now you take away, you know, their primary ball handler, their second leading scorer, Ziegler, a kind of guy who the you know, the ball's in his hands at the end of the game. He's sometimes taking that big shot if it's not if it doesn't go to Vescovy first. Um, they have some size left uh, with Josiah Jordan James, their 6'6 swing, um, Phillips, uh, Neka, um, Nekahoa, um, uh, Plasevich at 7'1. They have some size. Tariq Key is a good uh, backup shooting guard also at 6'3, rounding out their rotation. Um, uh, Jonas Adu, uh, 6'11 big man. So they could rotate these guys in, but they're a defensive team. But also now there's that defensive drop off um, without Ziegler in, in, in the lineup. Um, you know, losing two of their last three um, when, when Ziegler went out. They lost to Auburn. They won in the um, the SEC tournament against Mississippi, who's really just not a great team this year. Old Miss just you know not great, and then they lost to to Missouri in the um, in the semis there in the uh, in the SEC. So I I don't necessarily think this is the upset alert. I look at Louisiana, uh, the Raging Cajuns out of the Sun Belt. Um, they're a team, uh, really the only good team that they p- played this year. Uh, Texas. They lost 100 to 72, um, you know, and I just, I mean, they're they're on a nice run. They've won five in a row down the stretch, but this is just a low conference team. Um, they, you know, they're they're seated as a 13. You know, I, I'm not sure that I'm not sure what the committee's seeing with the seating there. I think there's other thir- better 13 seeds here. I, I don't think they, I don't think this is a good matchup for them. Um, you know, just because of Tennessee's defense, I think that's a big step up for them. But I, I don't think they're the team that knocks off Tennessee here. I think Tennessee goes through. Uh, I just think they're they're poised for a tougher matchup uh, down the road, whether it's Duke or or Roberts. Um, although Tennessee defense could be a tough matchup for Admis also, uh, Max Admis also. But I think um, you know I, I don't see Tennessee really making the Sweet. I don't. I'm not sure Tennessee makes the the Sweet 16. I think they got a tough draw with uh, potentially seeing Duke or or Roberts in the in the second round. Uh, we go below it. Uh, two teams in this matchup who really kind of underachieved um, throughout the season. Um, you know, there was the, the Kentucky Wildcats against Providence. Providence for a while looked like a very, very good team, potential title contender, and they kind of um, uh, faltered down the stretch. Uh, let's let's look at Kentucky first. Um there's returning national player of the year, although he's not going to repeat Oscar Schwible. He is averaging 16 and a half points a game, 13 boards, um, shooting, shooting uh, just under 57% from the field. Very good player, very good big man. 
His rebounding, though, will be matched on the other end. You have one of the best rebounders in the country, a guy who transferred out of Kentucky in Bryce Hopkins. Very good sophomore, averaging 16 a game, um, uh, 8.5 rebounds a game. Then you have Ed Croswell, um, their their senior um, forward also. He averages 13 a game, 7.6 boards. Those two are two of the best offensive rebounders in the country. They're 16th in the country in offensive rebounding percentage, 93 on the um, um, sorry, 93 if there is their opponent's offensive rebound. They do very well on the offensive boards, gets a lot of putbacks. I think Schwebele could um, limit that, but I also just think that Kentucky, for all we've seen out of them in the past, um, they're just they, they're very good offense, uh, adjusted offensive efficiency. But to me, they're just not that great of a team. We did have guys in and out of the lineup this year, injuries during uh, top and miss some. Um, Toppin missed a game. Shavir Wallace missed 11 games. Um, Frederick missed seven games. They have guys missing time. And I think uh, um, I think there's some struggles there. Okay. Um, I, I just, they had a senior, um, they had two losses to Vanderbilt, two of their last three games. One on senior night, which I thought was a tough look for them. Uh, lost by two to Vanderbilt. Lose by seven again to the Vanderbilt um, in the SEC tournament. I just, for both of these teams, it's kind of which team it kind of shows up. Um, personally, I, I I think Providence at some point, I've been waiting for them to turn around. They've lost three in a row down the stretch. Uh, losing to, actually four of their past five. They, they lost at Connecticut. They beat Georgetown, but then they lose it to Xavier. Uh, lose at home to Xavier, something that they don't do that they, they haven't done often um, in Ed Cooley in the past few years. They lost to Xavier at home, got blown out by Seton Hall at home, and then lost to Connecticut um, in the four or five matchup of the Big East tournament. Uh, although it was really a late flurry to only lose by seven, otherwise they were they were getting blown out in that game by I think it was like twenty four or twenty five at the highest point. But there was a good stretch where this Providence team looked like um, they were they were going to challenge for a Big East title. They beat Kentucky, uh, they beat Connecticut uh, early on. They beat Marquette, and I think it was double overtime uh, wins over you know um, uh, let's see. They had uh, actually both Xavier matchups were tight, uh, three point loss and a five point loss. Um, but they did they uh, they beat Creighton, uh, beat Vel- beat Villanova twice. Uh, one of those matchups I think was a game where Justin Moore was in was actually played. Uh, to me, Eileen Providence. Uh, I just the SEC I think is just not as good as they've been in, in other years. I think they have guys who can score the basketball. I think they have Noah Locke short, shooting 39% from three. I think Hopkins is a very good player when they put him at the, the elbow and let him kind of attack the hoop downhill. I think the thing there is, though, do some of these – is there some familiarity there of the Kentucky guys having matched up against Hopkins in practice? Hopkins only played seven minutes last year for Kentucky. So I uh, – this is a tough one. These are two teams that I was looking to fade to come into the tournament just to see them matched up in a 6-11 game. But I lean, I lean the 11 seed here. Uh, Kentucky didn't impress me when I've seen them play. And Providence, at least at, at some point this season, did look like a good team. I'm, I'm not sure if it, if they uh, reignite something here. Um, but uh, I, I lean them. I have either team going very far. But uh, the three seed, 
Kansas State. They play Montana State. Kansas State uh, has a very strong one-two punch. I don't know if anybody, if you remember this name, uh, Keontae Johnson. He was a guy who at Florida last year who had some heart issues and sat out most of the year. Um, yeah, sat out most of the year. Um, he's averaging 17.7 points a game, seven rebounds, um, shoots it 41% from three, uh, 55% from the field. And then he's got New York City, um, you know, kind of dynamo. 5'7 guard senior Marcus Newell averages 16 a game, 7.6 assists, uh, shoots it uh, 34% clip from the field. This team can do it on both ends. Uh, adjusted offensive uh, efficiency just outside of the 50, 50% mark at 52nd in the country. Defensive efficiency at 19th. Uh, you know, Ken Palm, top 25 teams. They have some strong wins just having come out of the Big 12. I'm high on the Big 12 this year. They were obviously a very, very good conference. Um, this team in particular has wins uh, against Texas, against Baylor, against Kansas. Um, they against TCU, uh, against Iowa State. Actually, beat Baylor twice. I, I this is this is a team here that can, in my opinion, make a run. They're a very strong team. Um, and like I said, that one-two punch is, is as strong as any one-two punch in the tournament. Montana State on the other side of this one. Uh, they're returning. They're actually back-to-back tournament appearances here. Uh, similar to like what I've said uh, um, to some of these other teams, just hasn't played um, really anybody out of conference. Similar to actually what I was saying with Oral Roberts, they have two wins against. Um, they're twenty-five and nine. They have two wins against non-division one opponents. Um, or uh, Oregon, they lost by thirty very early in the year. Uh, lost by twenty-one to Arizona um, right before conference play started. Look, Montana, Montana State last year. Um, I think to a degree, some people were calling them um, to, to potentially upset Texas Tech. Um, Texas Tech won last year's tournament game 97 to 62. So the step up in competition, I think, um, made it very tough. Uh, their loss to Arizona earlier in the year, they shot three of 24 from three point range, didn't even shoot well from the free throw line, going 13 for 22. Um, they have obviously guys who've been here because they were in the tournament last year. So maybe, maybe they kind of. Shake that off a little bit here. I think Kansas State's a tough opponent um, in that regard, though, for them because this is a team that just they don't jump off the page as far as offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency. They're only in seventieth and they're seventieth offensive. Uh, they're way back in the hundred and seventieth. Leading score averages seventeen a game. Uh, Raekwon Battle six five. They do have some size with uh, six nine six eight. Um, as their second and third leading scores, they have another six-eight player in their rotation. I, I mean, I just don't see it here. I don't see the upset. Uh, I don't think. I think just the step up in competition. Uh, before we move on, I think it's just is just too much. Uh, we go down to the bottom quadrant. Seven ten game. Michigan State. Normally March time is Izzo time. Um, Michigan State with this team though, um, they have guys who've been here before. Um, they have two seniors as their top leading scorers, both averaging over 14 a game, and Tyson Walker, uh, their top guard, and Joey Hauser, their 6'9 senior. But Michigan State, um, you know, Ken Palm, they're 32, BPI 26. The, the Big Ten, I mean, they, they were winning in the Big Ten, but they just really overall just not, not that impressive to me. 
Um, losses to Illinois, who is a, obviously a tournament team. Um, but uh, it's like, are you kind of deceived by the Big Ten teams all winning against each other? They have an early season loss to Villanova. Villanova at that point didn't even have Cam Whitmore. Obviously, no Justin Moore at that point in time. Um, I think they can hang with teams in Michigan State, but I think they're seeded correctly as a seventh seed. I don't really see them going anywhere. I don't see them making a run. Uh, in fact, this one, uh, just to kind of go through it again, they're, they're their leading scores, Tyson Walker averages 42 from three. Hauser 45 from three, but they didn't. They haven't didn't shoot a ton. Only shot 130 and 149 respectively. Uh, AJ Hogard, uh, their third leading scorer at 12 a game, six assists. They have guys who could play. Uh, Walker could kind of fill it up. I think he's got um, at some point this year. I think he had uh, over a 30 point game. He could play. I mean, he could play. He could carry them through. Uh, could car- carry them through some scoring stretches. But on the other side of this, USC has one of those guys too in Boogie Ellis, six three senior, averages eighteen a game, uh, shoots thirty nine percent from from the field. His his one two punch, like Michigan State has Hauser, is six uh, eight senior forward Drew Peterson. Peterson shoots thirty six from thirty six percent from three. Uh, the thing here with Peterson is he's got he's had back spasms. He seems to he seems like he's going to go in this one, but does that affect him at some point? Um, they have uh, some size at the guard position in Reese Dixon Waters at six five. Offensive efficiency, they're forty third. Uh, defensive is def, um, def, defensive uh, efficiency, they're forty eighth. Michigan State is forty first uh, and fortieth in those regards. They're, the metrics on both of these teams are, are, are close enough. Um, Eileen Ellis and, and Peter Eileen Ellis and Peterson here. This is kind of a toss-up game. Um, I don't see either of these teams getting past Marquette. A little chalky here, but um, I think Marquette gets a little bit of a challenge from Vermont in the first round uh, in their matchup in the two-five game here. Um, Vermont twenty-three and ten. Um, they kind of ran through the American. They really ran through the American East. They come in on a massive win streak, um, but we look to last year's tournament. They did hang in as a 13 seed at 75 to 71, which is why I give them a little bit of credit coming into this matchup um, with some of the returning players. They have uh, their top five top five scorers are all seniors um, before they go to a freshman um, on that list. But five guys getting major minutes, um, re- really balanced scoring out of out of Vermont. Um, they could shoot the basketball. Two guys over forty percent. Um, you know, two, uh, three more over thirty percent. Uh, over thirty percent. Oh, actually, over thirty-three percent. Um, but Marquette on the other side, uh, one of the best offensive teams in the country. Uh, ninth in adjusted offensive efficiency. They seem to kind of turn on their switch a little bit defensively when they want to. Uh, we saw it in the um, in the Big East tournament, knocking off Connecticut. Um, they they jumped out to an early lead on them. They seem to really want to. They were defensively engaged in that one and then a strong uh really strong defensive performance against xavier in the big east final they have big east player of the year tyler kolik uh kolik there is they're actually their second leading scorer going for 13 a game four boards seven is uh, 7.7 assists two uh 2.4 turnovers so really really good assist to turnover rate out of kolik he's got really good vision i really like him a ton um, three point wise, he shoots thirty nine percent from the field. Their leading scorer is uh, sa- sophomore Ca- uh, Cam Jones, averaging fifteen a game, thirty five percent from three, uh, sixty four 
uh, percent from two. Uh, so Cam Jones is a guy who kind of does his damage attacking the rim um, and then in the mid-range a little bit. They're the, where I see Marquette being susceptible is actually they're at the forward position. Um, they, they, they're two, they did beat Connecticut in the Big East semis, but their two regular season meetings against Connecticut, um, they actually split, but they got crushed on the boards. And their two guys are, I, I don't want to call them finesse forwards, but their forwards aren't huge players. Um, and they're both 6'8", 6'9", uh, Prosper and Iguodaro. Uh, Prosper can guard guards. He's is very good defensive player, and Igdaro at six nine is um, kind of like a jumping jack in that regard. Those two guys can are very athletic players at the rim, but guys like Adama Sinogo on Connecticut give them trouble um, because of their ability to just kind of play bully ball. Now I look in the bottom half of this region. I don't necessarily see it unless they match up against Providence or Kentucky with Schwebele. I think Kansas State would be an interesting matchup for Marquette um, just because I, I think that one-two punch of um, Keontae Johnson and Marcus Noel are really good. Uh, but those are the two teams that I have circled here. Um, Providence, I think if they kind of revert back to the way they work and go on a run at the bottom half, upper um, upper half, uh, Eileen Duke, I think they're an under seed of five seed. Um, I think Purdue with Edie, uh, can, you know, they could go out as, as early as Memphis. I think Memphis is capable of a run up there. Um, but, you know, in the long run, I think um, Marquette, if they are engaged defensively, I think Tyler Kolek uh, and Cam Jones are really, really good backcourt. I think Kolek, like I said, um, is is a really a tough player to cover. Um, he carried them through the Big East tournament at stretches. I think he had 18 first half points. Um, or maybe it was second half points in, in that game against um, actually it was the game against Connecticut he had a really strong second half um, but uh, he actually averaged f- uh, 15 a game in the Big East um, compared to 9 a game in non-conference uh, as as Marquette's season went on Marquette has beaten some good teams they got they challenged Purdue early in the season 75 to 70 loss I'm high on Marquette this season but I think it also they're a very uh, matchup susceptible team because of their their forwards and the this just kind of the finesse nature of those two guys versus um, big men who could kind of push them around more old school big men uh, so that's my take on the East region um, here's Bill just so you're not waiting for Bill's take, uh, we didn't actually record it for the sense of actually getting this out and um, into your listening ears as quick as possible. So uh, that concludes the East region. Uh, join us in one of the other regions or join us when um, we get to the Sweet 16. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Bye.